Hello friends, I'm Koral Das Gupta, founder of tellmeyourstory.in and author. Here with my podcast show The Great Indian Family in collaboration with Epilogue Media. You can listen to the podcast on epilogue.media. You can also hear us on Spotify, GeoSavan, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Castbox and all other podcast apps. So, if you have read my fourth book Summer Holidays, a comedy, you would have known how the siblings are balancing out their own space in between a traditional setup and their own modern needs. Well, that was fiction. I am here to explore something similar in real life. Not similar actually, a lot different. But then let's see it as it comes. I am sitting with Shashi Baliga, journalist, professor of journalism, executive director of Literature Life Mumbai, and this is what we are going to discuss in some time from now. Welcome to the show, Shashi. Thank you, Coral. Thanks for inviting me here. Totally my pleasure. And uh, if you could tell us how your childhood looked like. I mean something we are very much interested in. Well, I think it was pretty much a perfect childhood that I had because I grew up in a large family with grandparents which are very important and I had four siblings, two dogs, a large house, a garden in which we were forever forever running around. There were friends nearby and because my father was in the railways, mm-hmm. uh, we had a lot of holidays because we got six passes a year mm-hmm. in those days. So it's pretty much a perfect childhood. I couldn't have wished for anything more really so we maybe we weren't well off but we nearly didn't lack for anything and uh, my father was ready to spend any amount on our education so really what more does anyone need <laughs> yeah i mean that's quite a big family and uh so you were staying in railway quarters? Uh yes, this was in Chennai. Okay. And uh, we also lived in uh, Kolkata, then Calcutta, hmm. of course. And uh, we were lucky enough to live in these beautiful bungalows in uh, Madras. We lived in what was once a Nawab's palace hmm. and we had a wooden floor where the, you know, notch girls as they called them would <laughs> dance. So, you know, it was really a childhood from another time, from right. another era. Even in Kolkata, we had a beautiful garden. Deer used to play around. It's in Kidarpur. Okay. No other objectives. Where are you originally from? I mean, Baliga is a South Indian? Uh, well, when people ask me, are, are you North Indian or South Indian? Because they can't make up their mind. I say I'm West Indian. <laughs> uh, we are from Karnataka. Okay. Uh, but my father... Um, came to Madras to study medicine mm-hmm. he was a doctor so i was born in hubli but really grew up in uh, madras okay and i remember you just pointing out that he was ready to do anything for our education yes that was the the last line and the first line written probably right as a as something to be followed how yeah. was it it was did you have strict parents uh no not really in that sense um let's say strict in some areas and uh, we were allowed total freedom in some areas okay. for example when it came to expressing our opinions uh, we were allowed to just say what we wanted okay you know and nobody would pull us up mm-hmm. and have i've had visitors looking aghast when i would say something to my father and say don't talk to your father like that mm-hmm. and my father would say no it's fine so and i think this is true of a lot of families uh, more so in the south where there's such a premium on education hmm. so we were allowed to speak our mind encouraged actually to mm-hmm. speak our mind at all times so the strictness came in areas uh, really socializing and going out so we always had to tell our parents where we were going what time would be back who were the friends we were with etc 
what bugged me then was that all of these rules applied to me and my sisters, mm-hmm. not to my brother, who was free to come and go as he want. Right. Uh, now, in hindsight, I think perhaps, you know, day, the days before cell phones. So mm-hmm. perhaps it kept us safe in those days. Mm-hmm. It was more a question of safety than, you know, restricting your yeah. children. And I think even today with cell phones, parents still worry about the same thing, right? Yes. It's not about us. It's about the uh, the way the world is treating us. That cannot change, right? Yeah. As much as you, you become a robust feminist or whatever is in your mind, the same isn't not isn't playing everywhere yeah. necessarily. So, uh, what were the restrictions that you faced, by which you wished you didn't have to, other than going out, of course? But now you feel that those have given you discipline. I don't think we really had any other restrictions, really. Okay. Unless maybe it was on spending, but that's mm-hmm. hardly, uh, you know, my father was a government servant and I mm-hmm. said we weren't well off. And, uh, you know, I guess whatever extra went on education. So we didn't have, uh, we thought about literally every rupee we spent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think uh, that's held me in good stead <laughs> now. Uh, though my daughter always says, you don't know how to indulge yourself, Amma. <laughs> and I say, because I just grew up counting literally yes. every rupee, you know. So I think it's left me at, you know, at this point very comfortably off because I didn't blow up too mm. much money earlier. Probably you learned that uh, <laughs> pretty early to value money, I think. You know? Yes. Uh, and that generation was like that. Even if they had a lot of money, they, I mean, I didn't, I remember that in my school, I had friends who were 2x, 3x times richer than us. But then even for them, I have seen that they were counting each and every penny to buy anything or if something was not required, it was not given. That was not because uh, they didn't have, that was because that was, I mean, people valued money in that way. Uh, yes, and I grew up in Chennai where, um, not to generalize, but people don't flaunt their wealth over there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very simply dressed. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, a man, for example, just white, wear a white, uh, you know, shirt and a white lungi. Mm. And you'd never guess, you know, unless you spotted one huge diamond button <laughs> you know, something like that. You'd never guess that they were wealthy. Right. Uh, it was considered a little in bad taste to flaunt your wealth. Oh, yes. Uh, that was, I think, uh, a very bachpan ka soch and bachpan ka culture. I mean, I yes. I literally, till now, even if I achieve something, my mother says, how can I say this? What will people think? <laughs> so I don't tell her anything. Hmm. But I realize that I, I know where she is coming from. Her generation doesn't flaunt their riches. Even if she feels that her daughter is doing something, she will not flaunt it because they don't flaunt riches. Yeah, and you don't toot your own horn. You don't yeah. sing your own praises. Yeah, you but know. now we have become just the opposite, at least the way things are, that unless and until you are playing your trumpet constantly, I mean, that is uh, funny. So sometimes, but, especially yeah. on social media, and I feel like I'm really lost, you know, in some <laughs> other some time warp of sorts. Because you find it, I don't. I meet so many people when I was in film fair. I met so many film stars. I don't have any, hardly any pictures. I've never posted pictures of myself with some film yeah. star or author. You know, and I'm, like I've met 
the whole lot of them it just goes against the grain <laughs> <laughs> i know i mm-hmm. just some time back i was on twitter and i saw someone's uh, twitter profile says award losing author and i laughed my heart out <laughs> okay someone has a sense of humor <laughs> Wow, okay. Really? That's the first time I've heard that. Yeah, because otherwise everybody is saying that they're best selling authors. Who is my? <laughs> anyway. So, what are your best memory or memories with your family? Um, I think first would be all the train journeys we took. As mm-hmm. I said because my father had these yeah. six otherwise we couldn't have afforded a family of 8 and 10 to go traveling. Please tell us this as elaborately as you can because these days youngsters don't know what is a train. Oh. Unless it is the Mumbai local train. <laughs> well, uh, you know I've also not stepped in a train for a very long time but my father was in the railways you know uh, getting into a train was almost like getting into a bus for us mm-hmm. and he literally we were taken from kashmir to kanyakumari literally mm-hmm. and uh, the length and the breadth of the country plus we moved ourselves we lived mm-hmm. in kolkata for many years chennai uh, other places and i think it's the best education that uh, yes. an indian can have i think if you can afford it and you have the time i really think it's something every indian should you Witness. know do yeah travel literally uh, you know the length and breadth of the country and i do have a niece who every year from kolkata they set out and they've gone from kolkata to kanyakumari driving hmm. all the way and uh, you know even when my daughter was young i would make it a point that one holiday in maharashtra Mm-hmm. because we lived in the state mm. and we should know the state we're living Absolutely. in one in india and uh, well if you manage it we went abroad even today i make it a point mm-hmm. to i i think i like to i enjoy traveling in india it's not easy the toilets are awful <laughs> they need to do something about that but uh it's such a beautiful country and oh, every yes. time i go abroad i think Hey, we have something more than that back <laughs> home, but you know nobody is writing too much about it. Yeah, uh, I mean train journeys. At least till my college, we were not even given first class AC or stuff. That happened only when I got a job. Otherwise, second class me hi travel karte the. And I remember those chai walas, kulhari, <laughs> and they would really try to make a bargain at five in the morning. <laughs> Kisi station pe aaya. Yeah. Uh, you would wake up with chai 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 chai. chai. <laughs> no, even today I'm perfectly at home in a train but because my uh, father was a head of department we got something called a saloon. Mm-hmm. Uh, What is that? It was like something like a, a slightly watered down version of palace on wheels. Okay. So we had Uh, a room uh, we had a, a separate living room mm-hmm. a dining room a bedroom and it was all upholstered but in typical railway upholstery you know that standard yeah. kind of upholstery <laughs> yeah. and we had bearers who would come and serve us so. breakfast and all that so maybe uh, that helped but it didn't last for long it mm. went away soon enough and uh, i have done any number of uh, journeys from uh, madras to calcutta mm. and all those stations i know all the stations i know what you get at which station <laughs> you know cashew nuts at rajamandri 
and you get amsat at vijayawada you know so we've really done that so many times and in the height of summer because summer holidays is when yes uh, you travel the children most travel and i remember we used to just uh, they were not ac of course and we would just sprinkle water on the floor hmm. to cool the uh, compartment down yeah uh, but there were great times they part of True. our happiest memories i'll tell you something i mean when you were talking i just remembered something really funny uh, during uh, my childhood i have seen my eldest mashi uh, coming in from lucknow she stayed in lucknow and she came to calcutta and after we grew up then to she came she went after we grew up my cousin my mashi's son always makes fun and sends the entire family in splits she says when we are coming back we have taken the train my is sitting and we are waiting of course that when the bags will open and we will eat but from that howrah station to bardhaman if anybody dared to say give me food because my ma is crying <laughs> my is crying so and we are looking that when she will stop crying So we already had our heart out because it was mama ka ghar yeah. so nani ka ghar so they have had their heart content <laughs> but the moment they are in the train they are looking at the food bags and when those will open because they know what their nani have packed <laughs> and now they are waiting that oh god she is crying till bardhaman we cannot ask for food she is slap us <laughs> oh, you know my mother had one aloo sabji which was dry and that was um that used to be our meals when we traveled uh chapatis and that and to this day in my family it's called train aloo okay <laughs> what are you making today train aloo <laughs> i i know what do you mean idlis and this lime rice so uh, meal times were planned and you know standardized because we traveled so much <laughs> Okay so coming from a house that had its own traditional beliefs and at the same time allowed you to have your own uh, thoughts in place how did you prepare yourself to find your own voice or kind of voice yourself later i mean it must have been easy at some level and it must have been difficult at some level how was it you have been a journalist i mean one very important reason why i am asking you is that you are a journalist and you had started in a different era right now journalism is something else oh i'm one of those uh, old school journalists i'm afraid today the generation needs to know that old school journalism they really need to know oh it was very simply put we couldn't afford to make a mistake it was as simple as that because today you can uh, edit on the screen right. and earlier we couldn't so uh, it had to go down uh, be typeset and come up this must be all kinds of uh, bizarre words for today's <laughs> journalists so if there was a single mistake the whole galley had to go down and be done and there was a half an hour delay mm. so we grew up checking cross checking checking and cross checking our facts our typos our spellings everything young people you can imagine this an era without google mm. so uh, it taught us a lot of discipline Hmm. and we had no google so we had to maintain our own clippings and files hmm. so all journalists office used to be uh, full of these piles the desk would be uh, surrounded by piles of these cuttings hmm. because you needed them hmm. uh, to go back to everybody maintain their own kind of database and um in those days uh, sometimes not 
we couldn't even record mm-hmm. our uh, interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody had tape recorders, mm-hmm. and, uh, certainly not smartphones. So you again, you had to be so careful with what you wrote mm-hmm. because you didn't want somebody to turn down and say she misquoted me. Yeah. So you had to do your research. You had to do your homework. You had to come back and write it immediately when it was there. You had to take notes. And it was, you know, that kind of discipline that really stood me in good stead later. Because mm-hmm. even today, if I'm recording something, mm-hmm. I still take my own notes. Yeah. Ta- tape recorders have gone bust. Cassettes have gone stuck. So I think we learn to rely on ourselves, on our own judgment. Hmm. And today I find them just picking up so much from Google as if everything you read there is true. Yeah. There is no culture of cross-checking. It's come from Wikipedia, it's come from Google, fine. Hmm. And given that there's so much fake news today, I would imagine people would be even more careful. Yeah. And uh, if I may, there's also this, a lot of students now just pick up a little here and there from things they've read online. And because I can't blame them, they've grown up with this. This is the world they know. They think it's okay to take a phrase or two, a line or two, a sentence or two and put it in their essays. And, you know, we really have to tell them, no, it's not on. It's like, and I always say, it's like looking into your neighbor's uh, sheet and just taking a line from there, just a line. But it's not on. It yeah. is plagiarism, a phrase. or So I find uh, this is the worst uh, result of uh, Google mania. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, uh, I have felt that. And at the same time, I have felt that there is a culture of quick fix. Like you just see someone and your brain is already prompted towards copying that person, a typically successful person. You are not copying the reason of success. You are copying what he has become after success. Absolutely. That is the biggest, you know, it's a disaster. Like today, if I am arrogant, that arrogance may not have made me. What I have become has made me arrogant. But uh, you are picking up arrogance, which will not take you anywhere. So you're not seeing the backstory. Exactly. You only, uh, yeah, um, I won't say I've seen too much of that in my experience because my experience students is in the class. Hmm. Not so much after, many of them keep in touch, but hmm. mostly it's in the class. And I have to say this, that I find so many of them are so idealistic And when people say, oh, you know, this current generation of journalists and, you know, they talk disparagingly Mm -hmm. and I say, no. So they're all so intelligent. They're so aware of Mm. issues that face us. And, uh, you know, they really want to make a difference. So in my classes, I tell them, keep that idealism. I don't want to... I don't, I don't want to tell you it's going to be a fairy tale. You're going to get knocked <laughs> <laughs> from time to time. But hang on to that because mm-hmm. that's why you became a journalist. Yeah. To make a difference in however small a way. Was there a typical idealism in your family which shaped uh, you as a journalist later? Was there anything specific or it was all a process of learning or you wouldn't like to mention anything special? Uh, well, you know, my grandfather used to write. In fact, okay. he self-published. Okay. Vanity publishing in those days. <laughs> he self-published a book of his own sayings, one-liners. Uh-huh. 
and my father loved to write. He would write long letters. So mm. I think that writing habit was inculcated in me. And uh, I think if you're curious, then uh, that's the first step to becoming a journalist. Yes. I asked many questions all the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just to give you an example, um, my mm. father, when we were growing up in China, my father used to get me the Times of India from Bombay. It would come in the evening, mm. pay, you know, uh, quite a bit for it in those days because he thought it was important. Yeah. Um and in when I grew up, uh, when I went to college and looked up for a job, at that point, the Hindu did not take women. Hmm, okay. It's unbelievable but why? to think. Because it was a male bastion. That's it. Okay. Women didn't get into this arena. Okay. And uh, so it was only when I came to Bombay that, um, you know, I was able to get hmm. into uh, journalism. And um, it made a huge difference mm -hmm. and my father was my father's no more he was very proud of the fact that I became a journalist you know staying in that same area of writing and academics yeah. and uh, even today I'm back to teaching <laughs> so it's been a bit of a, a circle. <laughs> uh, Shashi if I may mm. ask how would you define liberation that is something that I want to ask because you have a journalistic background you have a literature background and uh, liberation is a word which is oft used and more misused. <laughs> uh, you're saying in a general sense or you're saying for women? For everything. For every in general? Uh, yes, for women too. In a general sense, you know, I think it's the freedom to be what you want to be. Hmm. Okay, so back to the groove. Which are the values that you got from your family that helps you professionally and personally even today? I think uh, number one would be a very, very strong work ethic. Mm -hmm. Both my grandfather and uh, my father were self-made. Mm -hmm. My father became a doctor, which was a big thing in those days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my mother never went to college because she got married so early. Mm -hmm. she, okay. had, she had five children by the time she was 23. Really? I God. had my first child at 23 and she said, what are you making such a fuss? So I had five children at that age. <laughs> so she never had, I mean, she never was able to go to Shashi, college. I got married at 30. Yeah? My head is spinning. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I got married at 23 and I think at that point people thought I was, you know, sort of all, almost a gone case. Because in those days people got married at 18. I was happy to delay it even more. Oh. That I, I felt that and my mother said, Balviva, you will again become a child next birth. Now please go and get married. <laughs> Balviva, you are a child anyway. Might <laughs> yeah. no, I'm so sorry. Please continue. No, no, not at all. So, um, you know, she never went to college, but she taught herself English, Hindi, mm -hmm. Tamil, uh, which she still speaks fluently. Mm -hmm. uh, she learned to navigate big cities, you know, big parties, that kind of thing. So it was really by example that this whole work ethic came mm -hmm. in. And uh, my father was a doctor. So, you know, by the nature of his profession, he helped a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, doctors always go out of the way. But I saw my mother, uh, she was uh, doing all of this. She was uh, looking after this big family, feeding 10 people and five hungry children, mm -hmm. cooking for them, looking after them. 
and she would still find time to go and volunteer at the Ramkrishna Mission. Sometimes I think it was her way of escaping all of us also, <laughs> the one place she could go. But it was not easy. It's never easy for anyone to find the time. Yes. You know, yes. if you're looking after such a... And, and even uh, later, after we grew up, um, she would go to an old age home near our house run mm-hmm. by the Little Sisters of the Poor in Chennai. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, say, my father's birthday, she would make some sweet or some Italian. She'd go and, you know, distribute it there. Uh, stuff like this. So it wasn't that we were told, now you have to go out and help people. Mm-hmm. It was just that we saw all this happening before our eyes. And I think the other thing was because we were a large family and not particularly uh, wealthy, especially at dinner time, hmm. You learned not to take more than your share. Hmm. Because if you took a little more, then somebody else would get, your sister or brother would get a little less. Hmm. And if food ran short, it was always my mother who would say, you take, you know, what mothers are like. So you learned to take what you needed. You learned not to waste because there's no question of wasting food. So maybe it was just food, but it's something that, you know, transcends food and goes into other areas of your life as well. Yeah. So these were the kind of things that, you know, they sound terribly old fashioned maybe nowadays uh, because um, most of us middle class families do not have a problem with the quantity of food. Its parents are always telling, uh, you know, their children eat. No, I mean, uh, I think the culture of you get what you need we have, I think, moved on from there. Mm. I remember we uh, in my birthday, one birthday, I was very small. I got that uh, big uh, color pencil set, which was 24 shades of uh, pastel colors. Oh, that was a treasure. Thing. Yes. I mean, you know, it was like <clears throat> your heart swells up. You protect it. And now my son already has four and he doesn't even care. I mean, he loves drawing. He uses it. If he is losing one, he knows that there are three more. If I have kept it away, he thinks that I'm a lunatic. That those are available, then why would you keep it away? He doesn't know. Of course, he doesn't understand that. Why are those kept away? What am I trying to practice? It's not for him to understand. But I know that uh, what is happening is he doesn't look at it as a treasure. For him, that nothing is a treasure. Everything is just an Amazon click away. Right. So it's also the uh, you know it's consumerism and it's also the ease of acquiring anything yeah. right now like you said it's just a click away yeah you don't have to beg your parents and wait for a weekend for yeah. them to take you somewhere yeah that reward system is gone i remember when my daughter was small and whenever we went out she would want something anything small yeah and in those days an amarchita kata was 5 rupees yeah. and a 5 star was 5 rupees <laughs> so I used to ask her do you want an amarchita kata or a 5 star so think hard and she'd usually choose the book because she probably knew she could get the 5 star in some <laughs> other way right uh, so it was almost always the book and now she has this huge collection of you know the original ones yeah And uh, those were the kind of uh, things we got, you know, and uh, uh, we were five children and um, two parents going out so that even going out for an ice cream was a bit of a was a bit of a thing, Mm -hmm. you know, was a bit of an event. True Uh, that. 
well now mine will sound like two old grannies <laughs> talking about the old days and how good we were they were so beautiful <laughs> yeah but no the uh, everyone the younger generation has so many other you know positive points that we didn't have yeah yeah i completely agree at least with my son there are two mm. good things that i have been able to give him uh, <laughs> one is i have got him into the habit of reading he reads a lot now and second is wherever i go thanks to my little uh, literature identity that i have he meets a lot of people who are extremely talented he has come for the recording shows also so he meets a lot of important people he wouldn't have met otherwise probably well that's wonderful because uh, it's really broadening of yes. you know your uh, life view yes and i think you know people often ask me how do you get children to read i said the i uh you can't just buy a book plonk it in front of yeah. them and say it doesn't happen that doesn't happen we grew up with books here and there everywhere in the house somebody was reading and then you went and chose the book you wanted yeah. so if you are not reading yourself exactly. and you don't have books in the house how do you expect your you know, <laughs> yeah, children to that. pick up the habit yeah they want to feel like grown up so if the grown ups are not doing anything they are definitely not doing it Yeah. <laughs> okay, Shashi. So we move to the next section, which is a section of fun questions. What we do here is we ask a few funny things, which may or may not relate to your present uh, present sta- uh, state of uh, work or uh, present state of being, mm. and we try to have some fun. So the first question here is: Among all the authors that you have known, which man resembles your father, and which lady resembles your mother? Um I think my mother no one really okay she was the kind of woman from a different era you know who mm-hmm. couldn't go to college and mm-hmm. but she, my, did she regret it uh yes very much and it was um quite heartbreaking once when she said you know if i had the opportunities that all of you mm-hmm. do now mm-hmm. you know what could i have not done and it strikes me that all of us have mothers who probably you know haven't gone out to work in that sense but uh you know they're so capable and efficient and organized you can imagine yes. them running some company you they know they are superb in their well. management skills yes just that they don't have the degree yeah that's it but uh as far as my father is concerned you know recently uh at our le- recent literature festival we had alexander mccall smith mm-hmm. uh he's the author of uh, the number one ladies agency mm. series one of the world's best selling authors ever and he in some ways reminded me of my father because he's tall mm-hmm. he's not slim he's a rounded shape <laughs> <laughs> he laughs a lot he likes to talk a lot also which my father did and he has a very gentle humor mm-hmm. and ready to listen so something about him you know reminded me that uh, of my father the story is very different of mm-hmm. course mm-hmm. i mean he's uh, from scotland and so but I think some of these are universal characteristics people who like to talk yeah. who are happy to talk and listen <laughs> and laugh that but perfect adab partner like yes yeah. yes <laughs> okay the next question is which fiction book seems like a direct lift from your childhood family oh god that's a tough one <laughs> again in this case the storyline is very different but okay. the book it's one of my favorite books is my family and other animals by gerald durrell mm-hmm. he's the noted uh, conservationist he set up a zoo 
यू नो वेरी ह्यूमेन काइंड ऑफ जू नॉट द केज्ड वंस and it's about a single mother who kind of not that they run out of money but times are tough hmm. so she packs all her children and they go off to kofu and then it's very similar to my family because of the differing personalities when hmm. he talks about himself forever in the garden and running after snails and hmm. insects and one brother is uh, reading books he became a very famous mm-hmm. author later Lawrence Darrell and uh, his sister was only worried about her skin and her pimples <laughs> and you know the mother was slightly batty going crazy with mm-hmm. all of these people uh, the mood in the family with so many different uh, perspectives and opinions and mm-hmm. people and personalities that was very much like uh, you know our house after I dinner know. everybody is sitting and talking and sometimes people go off doing their own thing it's one of my favorite books it's hilarious so <laughs> if anybody likes the whole fun of family dynamics do read it you have actually just given our audience a book prompt so <laughs> this should go up on their reading list so shashi right now you are very much a closely related and a part of literary and intellectual circle is there a publisher or editor or author or even a reader who has become a part of your family now i mean who feels like a family anybody you know most of my editors are my very good friends today mm-hmm. and uh, some of my friends were not authors when they were my friends and now they <laughs> become authors and uh, yes i'm very close to them and i do share uh, quite a bit of my life with them but somehow I'm a little conservative here about saying somebody is part of my family because mm-hmm. I take that very seriously mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and also maybe because I have a large family you know with right. five siblings at their spouses their children their children's spouses <laughs> and my uh, the uh, one uh, two great grandchildren as mm-hmm. well for my mother so even our whatsapp group has some 19 or 20 people mm-hmm. you know i think i couldn't cope with more family <laughs> this is enough <laughs> just keeping in touch totally point taken <laughs> you know like if you there's some news then you have to call four or five other people you know <laughs> because even the cousins are in it and uh, but part of my extended family for sure so at least three of my ex editors um are very very close good friends and in fact in literature live i'm working with another ex editor of mine <laughs> so i think that's a good sign if your ex editor asks you to work with them <laughs> <laughs> certainly it but is but it's a personal as well as a professional uh, and what you just say reminded me i mean it's not related but still it's funny so i'll tell you that uh, a friend of mine once told me that family whatsapp group mm. is the most political group in the entire world <laughs> because someone may have said something that mm. my son did this or my <laughs> my daughter went to the jupiter mm. and you may have missed that message and you have not said congratulations and that mm. lady remembers but she didn't wish when the others did and it mm. has traveled to every part of the world and coming back to you from via 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 <laughs> Well, luckily, ours is not like that. Half of us forget 
my sister would sometimes call me and on her birthday and say okay it's my birthday wish me now <laughs> so in our group the thing is somebody one person will remember my elder sister is very particular about this she never forgets birthdays and stuff and another sister as well so the moment one of them posts yeah 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 then we there all is always that up. one nice person huh. who will post in the group happy birthday swan swan and then everybody is so. like oh we remember everybody <laughs> so then everybody will jump in and then it's a battle of the emojis you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then sometimes i'll just copy paste my one sister loves to put a lot of them i copy paste hers and i put it and say with i'm taken it from her but here it is again <laughs> Okay so the last question is if you write your biography today which person would be the most prominent figure other than you No not one there'd be many <laughs> Tell us about them because it the show is about them I told you I have a large family <laughs> told you So for sure my parents and my siblings and now my husband my daughter I have mm-hmm. a, one daughter So I think all of them would get equal share at different times mm-hmm. uh because uh, one has learned uh something from all of them and i think uh right now my learning curve is highest with my daughter <laughs> uh so there's so much to learn how old is she uh she's in her 30s okay. she works in the us okay right so she she is a working woman now yeah yeah she's a working woman and she's a consultant who tends to look at things very rationally mm-hmm. unlike me <laughs> for example uh, there came a time in 2010 almost 10 years ago when i had one of those epiphanies and i said i'm not going to do this you know sitting and correcting commas at 12 o'clock in the night and <laughs> i've had enough with this 24/7 journalism so i decided to quit and i was wondering what to do so i said i think i'm going to you know be an independent journalist so my daughters and you know uh, you'll understand for a journalist to be on their own is like the biggest freedom yeah. is what everyone aspires to Absolutely. And uh, she looked at it very rationally and she said, uh, "Okay, this means you're going to be doing twice the work for half the money, but if that's what makes you happy, just go ahead." She said, "Don't work. Why do you even want to work?" <laughs> just... <laughs> so, you know, it's a different way of looking at things. Mm. Temperamentally um, very very I mean very very different probably. Uh no I think it's because I wouldn't have thought it thought of something like this in this way at all. I would have learned the hard way. That's it because we have from a different yeah. profession I think the uh, see the profession you take depends on your personality. Yeah. And then I think that gets heightened as you you know as a consultant she's trained to look at everything uh you know from a very analytical early, and yeah. rational angle and uh, we are trained to ask questions yeah so the first thing i you know when you meet somebody in 2 minutes you're asking them all kinds of questions <laughs> <laughs> which maybe you shouldn't have <laughs> true that and one of my friends uh, to tell you a, jo- yes, a journalist please. her parents wanted her to get married and they wanted her to in court see a boy and she said no i don't want to and they insisted they said do it for our sake kind of thing and the boy came <laughs> and she said i kept asking him so many questions <laughs> he got scared and ran away she said i'm only used to asking questions not answering them <laughs> the boy must have come with 10 questions in his own brain that mai puch ke aaunga <laughs> and he got intimidated totally <laughs> should have had 20 of them if he had 10 <laughs> 
So that's where our show ends today. Shashi, I had a great time talking to you and hearing your stories. They were very, very beautiful. Thank you, Coral. It's been such a pleasure. And nobody actually sits down to think of their life and look back at their life, you know, in a, a sort of an, in an organized manner. You remember, you have memories, yeah. fl- you know, float in and out. Uh, so I really had to sit down and think, okay, what kind of child did I have if I had to put it down in words? So thank you for that also. Totally my pleasure. And thank you so much for saying that. Now my brain is working that where do I use this as a testimonial? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but it really means a lot. What you say just really means a lot. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Totally my pleasure. Not an opportunity for you, but a total pleasure for me. Thanks audience for being a part of the fun. Hope you enjoyed our show, The Great Indian Family. Don't forget to share your feedback. Write to bonjour, B-O-N-J-O-U-R at epilogue.media. Do send us your feedback on Twitter using the hashtag The Great Indian Family. Leave us a review rating on Apple Podcast and make sure to subscribe to the show. We will come back again next Sunday. Till then, let's rock!